Welcome, everybody, to a brand new edition of the Slash Sanitarium. I'm your host, Troy. Today we're talking about From Season 2, Episode 6, entitled, oh boy, Paz de Doy? Paz de Doux? I don't know how to fucking pronounce that, but that's okay. Because we started this episode right after the end of the last episode, where Boyd is now sitting down with Tian Chen. He tells her that his decision to keep Sarah around doesn't have much to do with her, uh, or with what Sarah did, and what she took from her and Kenny. It's about utilizing everything they have to try to find a way out. He says he knows what people can do when pushed to the, the limit. Boyd still wants to get everyone home. Kenny arrives and asks Boyd what he is doing, and Tien tells him not now. Boyd starts to walk out, and then when he enters the church, all the chairs are gone. The music box starts up, and it's on the table near the door. A full-size ballerina is now in the room with him. She does a little dance routine for him, and then actually has him hold her hand while she spins. Then the ballerina opens her mouth and worms fall out. Boyd apparently never left the diner as he hits the ground. He apologizes, and he is bleeding from the back of his head, which Kenny gets on his hand, and uh, I don't know if I'd want it anywhere near you. Uh, Tien tells Kenny to take him to see Christy. Boyd tries to get up again, but stumbles, so Kenny grabs him and walks him out the door. So the initial conversation between Boyd and Tian Chen, I'm happy that Boyd has decided to start talking about certain things, and this episode is, is full of him just laying it all out there and no longer being like, I gotta go, and not talking about things. All that being said, his reasoning is still a little shoddy because he, he claims that Sarah is important because she quote-unquote hears voices. And she knew things that she couldn't have known. And he thinks that she is a conduit between whatever is out there and them. That's all good, except for the fact that since she has gotten back, she has done zero to help them. All she's done is create more problems. And of course, you know, you have the whole situation of the fact that she is responsible for a lot of different deaths. We didn't see Jade at all this episode. But he for sure is somebody that probably wouldn't be too happy to know that uh, the woman that killed his best friend is, you know, just wandering around town. The whole music box thing. So we saw the music box with the ballerina before, and so now we have a full-size ballerina. Now, rather, Boyd is legit seeing something, as in, like, what Jade keeps seeing, where there are visions that clearly were events that happened, or if he is just, like breaking down and hallucinating over the stress don't know it's very possible that there was a ballerina that came through town at some point in time that's possible the correlation between the ballerina having worms fall out of her mouth tends to make you feel like it might be the town kind of fucking with them but we probably won't know Alice is taking inventory this time with paper 
And uh, you should take note, Mary, if you're going to do inventory, you need to write down what you're inventorying. Fatima grabs a box of food and rejects Alice's offer to help. Dale asks if there is trouble in paradise, and Donna asks the two of them to oversee the lockup tonight, as she is going to help in the Lou house, which is Kenny and his mother. Fatima asks what they should tell people about the food shortage, and Donna says very little, if anything at all. She does not want anyone to panic. So we're already starting this episode off with Ellis and Fatima at odds with each other. And now normally, I would just chalk this up to the writers not wanting people to talk to each other. But the whole fact of Fatima being pissed off at Ellis and then just not talking to him is such a trope. And one I didn't want to see because I felt that Fatima has been incredibly strong and has been written to be an incredibly strong woman for her to fall back into everything's fine it's fine everything's fine just feels lazy to me and uh, i didn't want to see the that storyline at all and uh spoiler alert for the rest of the episode it doesn't appear that that storyline is going to go forward um but it was annoying in this one that she couldn't just talk to him or couldn't say to him like yo i'm pissed off off that she didn't talk to me about sarah you know that kind of thing Christy returns to her love nest and checks out her awful new haircut, and she looks in Mary's bag for a hair clip, and instead finds that Mary was taking a bus trip to go to rehab. Mary walks in and sees Christy, and she immediately reacts in anger. Which is, you know, what an addict would do when they haven't actually gotten any of the treatment that they're supposed to get. Chrissy says that she lied to her. She told her she was heading to see her aunt. And Mary says, oh, it's, it's under control. And Chrissy says, you were doing so well, when did you start using again? So this is not a new thing. Mary is a known addict and obviously was able to take control of things, probably with some of Christy's help. But, obviously, we know what Christy's fishing for here. She asks when Mary started to use again, and Mary says a few months ago. So Christy again takes responsibility for something that somebody else has chosen to do, and she proceeds to run and check out the medication. Mary says she was already going to stop, but now that they're here, she'll continue to get clean by herself. Problem is, you used again. You already broke that. So... While you were beginning to detox on the bus, you have lapsed again before you even had a chance to fully quit. Mary says that she needs to stop panicking and acting like she is junkie. And Christy asks if Mary took anything. And she, of course, admits that she took some liquid morphine. So she can get mad about acting like she's a junkie, but she's a junkie. She flips out and says she is going for a walk while Christy can hide the valuables from her junkie-ass girlfriend. It's it's very classic manipulative uh, use of anger and words to try to hurt the person that's trying to help you the most. Uh, it's a kind of textbook in terms of people who are going through addiction problems. This is the type of things they do. Sitting there and making it seem like Christy is the one at fault here. When Mary showed up in this town after already relapsing 
and then proceeding to grab medicine medication that they are in short supply of and use it on herself when she could have easily you know like passed out halfway out the door or something like that and been ripped to shreds like yeah christy is not the one to blame here so mary lied to christy stole morphine from someone who was going through cancer and if they live long enough is going to need that and then got mad at christy because she would dare to say that they have very limited stock unless a new ambulance magically appears again. So, if you're keeping score, Mary is losing. That would be a huge L for her. But she's an addict and lashing out when getting caught is something that sadly happens. Boyd and Kenny walk past some ruins, and he points out that the leaves are changing color. Boyd says that he noticed that as well, and they have only ever seen summer in Frumbell. So the fact that we are now, I guess, somehow heading into fall means that at some point in time they might see a winter. And obviously they could easily ask Victor if, hey, have you ever had a winter here before? But, uh, you know, can't do that. So... Instead, we just get these two guys kind of wondering if that's going to happen. It would be very interesting to see a winter in this town because they don't have, I don't know that they're really equipped with any like heaters or anything like that. We know that they have electricity, but do the homes come with heat? Do, is that going to be an issue if it starts getting really cold? And how will that affect the creatures? Are they cool with the cold because so far all we've ever seen is nice in spring or summertime. Boyd proceeds to talk about the fact that he has worms under him. And he of course screams out in pain because they do a little dance in him. And he kind of explains things to him, but Kenny doesn't see them. And then Boyd hears the music box again which, of course, Kenny cannot see. Out from the cellar near them comes the ballerina again. But Kenny gets Boyd's attention and the vision leaves, and they continue on their way. I guess they don't do the bell walk anymore, because these two guys are just wandering around, and I don't think it ever happens here. Ellis helps get things situated at the colony house, and he asks if Fatima needs help, and she says she is done. And Fatima continues to be cold towards Ellis. She says they're fine, but we know that they're not. It's blah, 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 boring bullshit. Boyd finally tells Christy about Martin cutting him and giving him worms. She doesn't believe him. In a place where the electricity comes from the air and monsters rip people apart, worms under the skin are a bridge too far. He explains that the worms would not let Martin die. Boyd asks Christy to kill him if things go too far, and Christy asks Kenny if he is staying the night. It's funny, of course, that Boyd right away is like, yo, look, if uh, things get really bad with me, kill me. And it's like, dude, you wouldn't kill Martin. You kept trying to get him free. So now you're asking somebody who doesn't have any marine training like you do to do the thing that you were too pussy to do. 
Kenny asks if Boyd told her about the worms, and Chrissy says she didn't see anything, but he has been through a lot. Which is so pathetic to say. Like, oh, he must be, like, hallucinating because he's very stressed out. You live in a town that you cannot leave. And for whatever reason, you don't believe that a guy who disappeared for a few nights showed back up and has worms under his skin. There are people that walk around at night that turn into creatures. Worms under the skin. Completely bonkers. Kenny says this is how things started with his dad. And Chrissy says that in rare cases, those Parkinson's result in dementia. And only right near the end. But Kenny isn't about that science. And he says that it does happen though, so... They must have dementia, not actual fucking crazy worms. So he fully thinks that in a world where you cannot leave a town and food magically shows up, it is better to think that Boyd has dementia instead of worms. Donna gets uh, Ethan and the rest of the Matthews family to help her preserve the remaining food. Jim asks if this is all they have left. Donna claims they have planted more, but Jim calls out that they only have maybe a month's worth of food left if they ration it and people start starving. Donna claims that he is panicking, and he tells her he, that she should have told him sooner. Now, in her defense, she does say, when was I supposed to do that? When a fucking house fell on you? Jim says that this is exactly what they want. They want to put people through more stress. Jim, buddy, you may be right that this might be an experiment, but when you say things like, it's exactly what they want. They. Like, you sound like a crazy person, bro. Boyd wakes up to more worms being busy. He again hears the music box, and this time sees the ballerina behind some hung-up sheets. He pulls back the sheets, but there's nothing there, and instead he gets jump-scared by the ballerina, who grabs him, and then proceeds to throw him onto the bed and straddles him, which I'm sure is the most action that he's had since coming here. She gets all up in his face, tries to hold her, in fact, it looks like she tries to kill him. She, like, holds her hands over his mouth. But then she is magically gone, and Mary comes in and asks if Boyd is okay, and he pulls a gun on her. Go ahead, dude, shoot her. Shoot her. It'll be funny. But instead, he apologizes and puts the gun down. Ellis and Fatima go to their room to talk, because, thank God, somebody is going to talk around here. He asks her what he was supposed to do. His father asked him not to tell anyone. And Fatima was like, I'm not just anybody, though. Like, we're going to get married. You should have told me. She says that Boyd should not have put Alice in that position, but also Ellis should not have kept it from Fatima. Alice apologizes and said that this is not about his dad or Sarah, is it? He says that since the night she flipped out on a cowboy creature, she's been pissy. But before they can continue to talk... They hear a commotion downstairs. Dale is down there, and he claims that Elgin is stealing food. And Elgin says, no, I was just grabbing something from my bag. But of course, you know, Dale has in the past shown that he'd be kind of a brick. Dale is cutting up vegetables with a very sharp knife. And Fatima tells him to calm down, and Tail tells her to shut the fuck up. Uh, look, man, 
don't do that when you've got the guy's girlfriend right behind you. Sorry, when you've got the girl's boyfriend right behind you. Ellis tells him to watch his mouth, and Dale says, they cannot have new people stealing what little they have. He says the new people have to go. So Dale then walks up, knife in hand, to Elgin and tells him to get out. Ellis grabs him, Dale turns, and proceeds to stab him right in the chest. He then says, oh shit man, I didn't mean to do that. Ellis pulls the knife out, and he starts to leak blood all over the floor. Fatima and Bakta pull him to the couch and put a pillow on top of him to stop the bleeding. There's not a, a blanket or anything like... Come on, dude. Ooh, yeah. Boyd looks at Bjornstein, and Katri tells him some stains you just can't get rid of. Boyd says that they will all end up like that, screaming with your insides ripped out. Katri said that he is proud of Boyd, because he is finally asking for help. But he does remind him that he is down here taking or talking to a figment of his imagination while everyone else is just ignorant to that fact. Kenny catches Boyd talking to Katri, and he won't take Boyd's answer if he was talking to himself, and he closes the door and says he will not let them out until he knows it is safe. Boyd says that he was talking to Father Katri. He says that something happened to him out there and it's real. He is fucking terrified. We are finally starting to talk. Like, I don't know why it took us until episode 6 of season 2 for Boyd to finally start explaining to him what happened out in the forest, but I'm glad it's finally happening. Fatima keeps pressure on Ellis, and they look outside for the creatures, and right now it is clear. So they need to get Ellis to the clinic in the middle of the night. Elgin and Fatima pick up Ellis, and then they are told that one of them is coming up the hill. Elgin says to meet him on the stairs. He then runs outside, and he gets into the van. The creatures ask him where he's going, and he searches for the keys for a bit before finding them and getting the van started, right as the older woman reaches for the door. He pulls the van around, and while the creatures slowly walk up to them, Fatima and Elgin get Alice in the van. One of the creatures hits the window as they drive away. So, the fact that we have these guys as essentially slow-moving zombies does make it so that you can get away from them. You can see them, they can be on screen with you, and you can be safe from them. Most of the time, they have to sort of sneak up on you or corner you. So, while it, this was rather intense to finally get a, a bit more action here, it was sort of the situation of like, the, the amount of work they're putting into Ellis, I'm pretty sure he's not going to die. And it would be strange for them to kill off Fatima. But Elgin, maybe. He could have tried to play hero and gotten killed. So then we get an amazing one-shot of the van driving down to the clinic. The camera keeps moving back and forth between Elgin and Fatima. They reach the clinic, and all three of them run out and go over to the door. Mary tells Chrissy that if she wants to leave, her to leave, she will go to the colony house. And Chrissy tells her no, but then Fatima knocks on the front door. And I like this because Chrissy sort of rolls her eyes like, ugh, okay. And she walks over to the front door, and she checks to make sure that there's humans out there, and there are. So she lets in the three of them. Now they're all safe inside. And as they pull... Ellis in and onto one of the beds. Boyd runs up. Chrissy starts to work on Ellis, and she tells Mary to fuck off, but then lets her help. Mary grabs supplies, 
and Boyd pulls Fatim back, and Christy sees that it's blood, not air, in Ellis's chest cavity, which is going to make this real gross, real quick. She cuts open Ellis and pushes open the wound, spraying blood all over everyone, including Ellis himself. But, because of the fact that she relieved the pressure, Ellis is able to breathe again, and he drains out. Of course, he has lost a fair amount of blood, and uh, that means that we're going to have to do something. Boyd calms Fatima down and says that neither he nor Christy look nervous. Boyd checks on Elgin as well, and Elgin says, it's just not good with blood. Christy tells him that unless they get some more blood, his organs will fail. Boyd says they are both typo negative. Which is not only a great band, but also, you know, a blood type. Boyd says that they cannot use his blood because whatever he has in his blood will go to Ellis. Fatima tells him that even if what he says is true, it's not worse than dying. And Boyd's like, tell that to the guy that gave this to me, because he sure felt like this was worse than dying. Kenny points a gun at Boyd and tells him to sit down and do his work. Boyd pulls back his sleeve. And finally, everyone is able to see that Boyd is telling the truth. He has worms underneath his skin. Kenny tells Boyd, give them to me. He says if Martin passes it to him, then that means that Boyd can pass it to Kenny. Once they do the blood transfusion, hey, they'll figure it out. But in the meantime, get that shit out of your blood. Get your blood into your son. Biggity bam, let's go. Boyd figures out, you know what? I can pass it on to someone. It's just not going to be a townsperson. So he grabs a knife and he walks outside. Boyd starts to yell for the creatures that fresh meat is ready for them. He shit-talks them a bit before Smiley walks down the trail to him. Behind Boyd, the female creature walks up, as does Cowboy and another woman. Boyd cuts his hand and then walks up to Smiley. He then cuts Smiley in the throat. Now, Smiley bleeds for like a second. And then he just kind of laughs. Boyd then grabs him by the throat and says, My blood is your blood now, motherfucker. Boyd has a reaction, and uh, it seems pretty clear that the worms are traveling through his bloodstream and into the open cut on the creature's neck. Boyd pulls back, and Smiley says, I like this game. The creatures all start to close in on Boyd, and then Smiley stops, he shakes, and then he turns into his true self and proceeds to hit the ground and have a seizure. The creatures then walk right past Boyd, who they could easily kill right now, but instead are just fascinated by what is going on to one of their fellow creatures. They watch Smiley scream and then apparently die in the street. Boyd runs back inside as the creatures then walk away silently. Chrissy takes Boyd back to transfer his blood into Ellis. We then get a little heart-to-heart as Donna and Ethan head to the basement. Ethan's worried about the roof caving in again, and Donna tells him their parents won't be digging another hole. Ethan says that he lied to his parents. He's really scared and doesn't want to be on a quest anymore. Donna sits him next to her, and she admits that she is scared too. She says that fear is what makes us human and makes us heroes. Boyd gets back up and tells Chrissy that he is okay. Ellis wakes up to find himself in pretty bad shape, but otherwise able to breathe. Christy heads out to get some fresh sheets, and Ellis asks Fatima if she is still mad at him. 
She tells him to shut up and kisses him, and then Fatima goes to talk to Christy. She breaks down crying and says she almost lost Ellis. Then she asks about the things under Boyd's skin, and how that could be real. And then she asks Christy for a pregnancy test. And that is why she's been so distant from Ellis. She is scared shitless about raising a kid in this crazy fucking place. Kenny finds Boyd watching Smiley's body. He apologizes to him and says he should have believed him. Yeah, you should have, dude. Boyd says that it all worked out in the end. Which, like, you can't do a little bit of like, yeah, fucking Kenny, you should have listened to me. Kenny asks if the creature is dead, and Boyd says they will know soon enough as the episode comes to an end. So, a very good episode, a very action-packed episode. Or as action-packed as the show wants to be. It sets up a whole new uh, storyline for next episode, which is, if this creature is dead, can you cut it open and try to figure out if there's a weak point to it? Because you don't seem to have worms anymore unless you're able to get them back from his blood. So... You've lost that weapon. It was a one-and-done kind of thing. So either you need to open them up and try to figure out what the hell you can do to kill them, or if there's still blood, still worms in them, just have everybody get fucking infected with them, and then everyone goes on a killing spree. We do still have Randall doing whatever the fuck he was doing out on the bus. And, of course, you know, we have if Smiley is not dead, what the hell did that do to him? So... And, of course, we have possibly the first child born into this place. So, a lot to cover next week, and uh, I will be back again to cover that. So, thank you for listening, and until then, bye-bye.